1: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Get in zone, AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. What do I do with my old oil? We can recycle your used oil for free. And do you have oil for my old work truck? You can find the right high mileage oil to help it go farther right here at AutoZone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. Hey guys,
0: back at the playground again, huh?
2: Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves.
3: So we could go surfing.
2: Oh. (laughs) Ah, Love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah,
0: ski slopes. Let's
2: do it. Um, tanner girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new?
4: What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. It's me, your man, M.G. Marcus Grant, socially distancing from the Fantasy Hall of Famer, Michael Fabiano. And, uh, well, we are, uh, it is schedule release day. It is Thursday. It is schedule release day uh, by the evening. I was going to say by the evening, we'll know who everybody's playing, but we already know who everybody's playing. We'll just know when everybody's playing, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's
1: the... (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, from a fantasy standpoint, what matters most is playoffs playoffs so week 14 to 16 who's playing who and how Mm -hmm. that's going to sort of impact uh how you draft right uh we'll also find out just from a
4: curiosity and and you know fan standpoint uh how the schedule is going to look because obviously uh you know with with coronavirus and everything going on out there uh you know there's always the the possibility that things are delayed that they're pushed back uh, there's been talk that, you know, that the schedule can be collapsed if necessary, that they can do it with no buys if they have to. Um, So I'm curious to see exactly how they built the schedule in terms of, like, do they have division games clumped at the beginning or end uh, or what the deal is? So, uh,
1: you know, that part's going to be interesting. And there's well. also going to be the flexibility to play on Saturdays. Imagine, yes. number one, please let there be football. Like, mm-hmm. not not even from just our perspective. Like, imagine if there's no football, like the 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 – The economic impact on this country is going to be devastating. This country's already been devastated. So please let there be football. Please, God, let there be football. But if there's no college and it's just the pros, we're going to have Thursday night football. We're going to have Saturday NFL. We're going to have Sunday NFL. And we're going to have Monday NFL, potentially. Right. It's a lot of NFL, Marcus. It's a lot of
4: NFL. I'm also just thinking in terms of like the draft, like what happens? What happens to the draft if there's no
1: college football? How does how does this work? Um, I mean, dude, like, <laughs> at this point, do you really think they're going to let colleges start on time? No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't, think I don't gonna know. College
4: Football. I, I, I think. I think we're going to be really hard pressed to get college football. It's just going to be hard. There's too many schools, uh, in too many places. It's too spread out. It's just really, really, and and if campuses
1: aren't open, um right. Then it's just going to be really, really hard. And, and team sports is going to be leaning on what baseball does. I mean, to a lesser degree, I guess basketball in the playoffs, but like. Yep. If baseball comes back and we already saw it come back in Korea, um if baseball comes back and they don't have any problems and it's all good, well then that's gonna make it easier for football because they're gonna have sort of a blueprint any any issues with baseball, man, um and that's gonna be bad, yeah, it's gonna that, be bad, but the NFL is determined absolutely determined to to
4: try to have a season as as
1: much normal as much as normal season. as possible, yes. yeah,
4: yes. yeah. So uh, we're going to talk some real or mirage. You got a handful of stories that are floating around in the ether and uh, we'll kind of sift through them to see uh, if there's really something there or uh, if there's, if there's fire or if there's really just smoke. So we'll, uh, we'll kind of talk about that as well. Got a big story as well to discuss. But before we do that, let's talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Mm -hmm. Esquire. Uh, Murph, what's going on, man? Uh,
3: You guys wrote a couple of interesting things about the schedule release. And I'm thinking like how, like maybe you get college football in the spring and then like mm-hmm. you said Marcus they would make the, the draft process weird and then also think about NFL on a, on a Saturday I think I personally would love that if my team was playing on a Saturday uh, just because you have the Saturday to watch it and you can go out to maybe a bar or whatever uh, you know obviously uh, if we're allowed to at that point but go out somewhere maybe watch it and then you have the Sunday to kind of decompress and just pop on red zone or something like that and not stress as much um, about that uh, about your team playing there before you have to Go back to like the work week and be uh, miserable. Your team lost by like three touchdowns or something. Well, if you're the Giants fan, I guess that's, <laughs> that's usually what happens. Um but I wanted to ask you guys with the schedule release coming out, is there a team or maybe a division that you're most excited to lock into outside of your own uh you know <laughs> I know mine's always gonna, say I was gonna say, be
1: NFC
4: East, so I was gonna say the NFC West. I was
3: <laughs> um that would be you know, my answer as a non as a non NFC West fan. I think NFC West is the most intriguing division.
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, My my immediate thought is to go to the AFC West, um, hmm. just because you're, you're going to have a team World in a new champs. place. Yep. I you was thinking champs, about that too. You have the champs. Uh, you know, you've got you've got a team in a new place with the, the Raiders moving to Las Vegas. Denver has gone out and added a whole bunch of weapons offensively. The Chargers one way or another are going to have a new quarterback, whether it's Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert. They're going to have a, a new quarterback. Um, you know, so I, I think that the the AFC, the AFC West could be kind of interesting this year.
1: And let's not forget the NFC South because it's yeah. Tampa Bay, baby, Tampa Bay. Bucks, Saints. Atlanta's defense should be better they focused on it in the draft at Carolina who the hell knows but that, that division is going to be fun to watch man like Brady against Breeze twice a year Matt Ryan should be fun
4: yeah yeah that should be that should very very much be interesting so yeah we'll have the schedule out uh this evening and so we can kind of kick that around a little bit probably uh, next week on Tuesday show as well let's talk about our big story Fresh off of his cameo appearance in Westworld, uh, which just finished its, its third season,
1: wasn't it good? Um, because I I didn't even watch the second season. Like I think I watched one episode. I'm like, eh.
4: If look, I I understand people who tapped out because the first four or five episodes of season one really were slow. And so like anybody who tapped out, I didn't blame them. Season three, I thought was really well done. Well, it I thought it was really good. It so was I well done. The
1: whole first season. And it confused the hell out of me at times. Yeah, that too. I did watch it. And then when the second season came out, I was just eh. Like know. there I, I go back and forth on it because
4: you know, like sometimes it does help to listen to these explainer podcasts or read articles. And sometimes I'm like, I don't want to have to do homework to watch a TV show. <laughs>
1: exactly.
4: Um, but you know, I I did uh I did grind through it and I did enjoy season three.
3: It was well done. Um,
4: yeah, I thought it was good.
3: People um, have a hard time. Like if it's something could be well done, but if they don't like it, they want to kind of poo-poo it, and I don't think that's fair because it was a well-done show, and and Marshawn's cameo was awesome in the episode. It was season. great. Yeah.
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So, but yeah, Marshawn Lynch was on Westworld, but now he might be back in the NFL. Reportedly, his agent is talking to the Seahawks about coming back. Uh, he played at the end of last season. Uh, I think his. His presence was probably more emotional than it was, you know, a physical one. He got on the field. He did get some carries. Uh, he obviously is not the same Marshawn Lynch that we saw in his prime with Seattle. And, and look, Fabs, if if he does come back this year, I can't imagine he's going to get drafted in a lot of places, maybe anywhere. But does this make you worried for Chris Carson and what this means for him in that that
1: backfield? I mean, I don't like to hear it. No, like, I, <laughs> because backfield committees are the bane of our existence as fantasy right trying to figure out who the heck's going to get what carries and when they're going to get them. And it's, it's really an exercise in futility because you're never going to know. Last year. I mean, Lynch obviously played a very, very, very small sample size. He's 33 years old. Um, If you add him into that mix, it just confuses what otherwise to me is a pretty clear backfield. Like Chris Carson is projected to be ready in week one. That's what Pete Carroll is talking about. Rashad Penny is projected to end up being on the PUP list. So mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of Chris Carson to start the season. And I feel like Carson could potentially be undervalued because of he's coming off of the serious, the serious hip injury. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could get him as a flex starter at this point, man, that could end up being a really good value because of what he showed that he can do last season. He was tremendous and he yes. was, he was the bell cow for Seattle and we know Seattle wants to run the football. So, if you had Marshawn Lynch in there, to me, it, it means one of two things. One, Penny's Penny's knee injury is not going to allow him to be back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, or two, they liked what they saw from Lynch last season and they want to run a committee because their top two backs went down. And number two that, does not make me excited at all. That <laughs> yes, that does not excite us from a fantasy perspective. Yes. Yeah,
4: I you know. I, look and look, this is still very much in the talking stages, right? Like nothing has been done officially yet, so we'll see what happens there. But um yeah, it just it it just seems really bad. Part of me is also wondering. Will they maybe put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands more? I mean, yeah, they got Tyler Lockett. They're expecting bigger things from DK Metcalf this year. They go out, and I know Philip Dorset isn't necessarily a sexy name, but it is somebody to kind of add some depth to their wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe possibly they turn this offense over to Russell Wilson a little bit more because that's when they were the most exciting and most productive when they just let Russ be Russ. Um, you know, I, I know they still want to run the football, but but maybe, maybe this is a little bit of signaling that that. Times are changing in Seattle. Who knows? Could be. Um, but you know, hey, look. If this doesn't work out, then then at least we know Marshawn has an, an acting career in front of him. But so <laughs> that,
2: well, that was the news.
4: So here we go. So I got a handful of stories that uh, I saw recently that look, have direct fantasy impact. But we all know that you know, coaches throw out smoke screens. They throw out misdirection. Um, some coaches, you know, I, I think like sort of leading us around by the nose just to see what what sort of reactions they can get. So maybe some of these stories are real fabs. Maybe they aren't. Let's figure it out. Uh, the first one, Frank Reich coming out and saying that Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack will serve as a one-two punch in the Colts' backfield. I know we've sort of been trying to figure out how this thing works since the Colts drafted Taylor in the second round. Uh, we just talked about a committee potentially coming in Seattle. Does this sound and do you believe there could be a committee coming in Indianapolis now?
1: See, Arcus, this is, this is the, the general progression of um, a running back's value right after the draft. Mm-hmm. Players drafted, the industry goes bananas. Everybody loves him. Holy cow. This guy is going to be awesome. And then the coaches come in. We really like this player. He's not going to be given that starting job, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, on a silver plate. Like they, mm-hmm. they've got to earn it. They, they, they have to earn it. So when you hear about a scenario, like you're mentioning with Taylor, Mac is going to play like Jonathan Taylor is not right. going to be a true featured back in the truest sense of the word. He's not going to be Ezekiel Elliott. He's not going to be Saquon Barkley. He, I would think he's going to get the majority of the touches, but Mac is going to play, and he's a good player. So don't expect J- Jonathan Taylor to come out and be an RB1. He's not. I mean, he's going to be an RB2 right. uh, to me to me at best, unless Mac goes down with some sort of injury. And, oh, by the way, you've also got Naheem Hines who gets the ball out of the backfield. So I, Jonathan Taylor, I love long-term. Mac is a free agent after the season, and Taylor's going to end up being the bell call for a long, long time in Indianapolis. But as a rookie, you have to temper your expectations. He's an RB2. I don't know that his ceiling is high enough for him to be an RB1. There's a lot of talent at the top of that position. And Mac is going to get his share of the workload.
4: You know, the name you mentioned too, Naheem. Hines is really sort of the fly in the ointment in this whole thing, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Uh, again, as you mentioned, he was the pass catcher, you know, when the Colts were playing from behind, when they were in that hurry up offense, it was Hines that was on the field because they just didn't throw the football to, to Marlon Mack all that much. And Jonathan Taylor was not a huge pass catcher at Wisconsin. All the things no, that he did right. when he was with the Badgers, uh, catching passes was really not one of them. And I, I don't imagine that all of a sudden Frank Reich's going to bring him in and, and ask, not only will Frank Reich not just bring him in and ask that out of him, Philip Rivers is not going to to wait around for Jonathan Taylor to learn to become a pass catcher, right? We right. we know this about Philip Rivers. He is not necessarily the most patient guy when it comes to that, and especially now that he really is on the tail end of his career. I don't think he's going to wait. So if Naheem Hines is the guy who can get that job done uh, catching the football, he's going to be the guy that's on the field, and, and that really does impact both of those guys. Now, part of me also thinks that this is sort of, of you know, the things we hear in late April, early May, and when we get to July and August, you know, if we are to have training camp, if we're you know, going to get these guys on the field, that at some point we start to hear those training camp stories of how Jonathan Taylor looks so much better uh, and, and how Jonathan Taylor deserves a starting job. Maybe this is just me sort of talking myself into it. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's also the progression, right? That like we start hearing these these camp hype stories with the rookies, uh, you know, getting all this work uh, and maybe pushing the veteran out of a job. I don't yep, know.
1: Yep, yep. And, and one stat that I think fantasy owners need to keep in mind. Um, last year, Phillip Rivers, as a starter, targeted backs out of the backfield as pass catchers more than any quarterback, more than anybody. Mm-hmm. That's Austin Eckler. That's Melvin Gordon. So right. that's also behind a crappy offensive line. So I, I wouldn't really take that into consideration and think, well, this is the be all end all, and he's going to be throwing the to backs a lot. I don't necessarily think that's, that's the case, but with Hines and Marlon Mack in there, both guys are, are pretty good pass catchers and, and, and certainly better than Jonathan Taylor. So um, uh, I would, I would really, uh, I, I would really tap the brakes on the ceiling for JT as a rookie. I like him RB two. Mm-hmm. Sure. He's mm-hmm. not going to become the next Zeke. He's not going to become the next Saquon. It's just not going to happen. Well, not right yes. away. Especially not right especially away.
4: not with Marlon. Not with Marlon Mack still there. It's definitely exactly. not going to
1: happen. Yes, sir. Um, more
4: running back talk involving another rookie. Uh, General manager of the Chiefs, Brett Veach, says Damian Williams is still the starter in Kansas City. But Clyde Edwards Hilaire can, quote, compete for playing time. Uh, this is another one, Fabs. I mean, when this when the Chiefs drafted C.E.H., a lot of people, myself included, sort of went nuts over the I'm Raising
1: my hand, uh,
4: you know, and and we talked about him being the number one overall dynasty rookie pick. Uh, it looks like Brett Veach has thrown a whole keg full of cold water on on all of us. But see,
1: but see, I feel like I feel like that again. It's the same thing. Like, yeah, of course, Damian Williams was a, a Super Bowl MVP candidate. You know, right. For the Chiefs, and over the last couple of years, Damian Williams, when he's been healthy markets, has been pretty good. Like, I mean, last year they went like more of a committee. You know, they brought in LaShawn McCoy and that kind of screwed things up. And, you know, Williams, in terms of his durability, could potentially be an issue. At the end of the day, they're not going to hand the starting role to a rookie in that scenario. It's mm-hmm. not like you're Zeke or Saquon. Where you're coming in, there ain't nobody else, okay? Like, you're going to be the guy. <laughs> the Chiefs had a guy who is very successful. And and I'll tell you something right now. If Damian Williams' success in the stat sheets and on the gridiron isn't enough to make you realize how good Andy Reid's offense is for running backs, nothing will because he couldn't do diddly-poo in Miami. He was a backup there. He goes to Kansas City. He's putting up good numbers. So, like, I feel like people need to, again, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to end up leading that team in backfield touches. It's a matter of time. They are Mm -hmm. not going to give him the starting job on a silver plate. That's just not how it's done in these scenarios because the veteran, Hey hey man, he helped them win a championship. The respect is there for him. Now Williams is a free agent after 2020 and then hell, the sky's the limit for, for the glide. But this season, you have to expect that he's going to lose at least some touches to Damian Williams in some way, shape or form. Maybe it's earlier in the season. And as the season goes on, that will change and he'll become more of the guy, but Coaches are not going to come out and give a kid the starting job without him earning it, especially when there is a of in vet, incumbent veteran who's still playing well ahead of him on the depth chart. Just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, look, and we've talked about this before,
4: too. I, I do wonder how much of this is also going to be impacted by the fact that there are no OTAs. Uh, there, there's not yeah, going to be that without. opportunity for those guys to, to get work. I mean, you know, like I know they're going to do some distance learning. Uh, you know, kind of some virtual, uh, virtual meetings and and that sort of thing, virtual workouts, but it's not going to be the same as being able to get out there, put the pads on and get some actual work in. And so that, that I think in a lot of situations is going to give a lot of these veterans sort of a leg up over the rookies because they know the system, they they know how this works and these guys are still coming in to learn. So, um, that Again, these are all the things that we've never had to think about before because, you know, it, the, world, the world was one exactly, way and now it's another.
1: Exactly. I mean, they can they can give all these kids playbooks and they can study their butts off until you get out on the field, man, and, and get a feel for your offensive line as a running back and get a feel for your quarterback as a wide receiver and get a feel for your wide receivers as a quarterback. Like, it, you know, a rapport has to be built and but. we're we're in uncharted territory as far as that goes right now.
4: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, well, more running back news. It's funny how much of this uh, centers around running backs. It wasn't intentional. It just sort of happened that way. Uh, Sean McVay was reported as saying, quote, we've got three really good backs. And again, another rookie involved here, right? Cam Akers was one that a lot of us liked, uh, like the landing spot for him and what he could be. Uh, you know, the, the Daryl Henderson train, depending on the week, is either full or empty. Right now it's, it's more on the empty side. Uh, and then there's still Malcolm Brown hanging around there, a guy who can get some touches. Uh, this, I look. I think we are already sort of expecting Akers and Henderson to kind of, you know, sort of split in some form or fashion the workload in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're talking Malcolm Brown in the mix, this this looks like it could be really
1: frustrating, if, well, if Sean McVay is true to his word. So here's a few things for the Cam Akers truth is out there, and I love the talent. I really do. And, and I think long-term – he could end up being a pretty nice piece for your fantasy football team. Keep this in mind though, guys. Okay. So acres is not going to be a featured back as a rookie. She's not going to, I mean, McVay is, is, is going to go committee. Daryl Henderson is going to be utilized in certain aspects of the offense. Malcolm Brown could end up being uh, as, uh, utilized in certain aspects of the offense. But if you look back at the numbers from last season, Malcolm Brown got more touches than Daryl Henderson. So we're all talking about mm-hmm. Daryl Henderson as like the guy, but maybe it's Malcolm Brown. Like if they didn't go running back uh, in the draft, maybe it would have been a committee between Henderson and Malcolm Brown. And maybe Malcolm Brown is a starter there. Also keep this in mind as much as we like acres as a versatile back. And he was pretty versatile at 28 catches in his final season at Florida state. When you look at the numbers from last season, no quarterback in the national football league threw the ball to his back's less than Jared Goff. 8.5% <laughs> of his pass attempts went to the running backs. Two reasons. One, he's got a lot of good wide receivers. And right. Tyler Higby came on late in that season and it was fantastic. And the Rams were not as good of a team last season. So the Rams aren't a team, at least what we saw last season, that threw the ball to their backs. I mean, hell, Todd Gurley. You know, this is a guy who can catch 70 passes. He, You know, he wasn't even close to that. So – as much as I like Akers long term, you have to tap the brakes a little bit on him. And I've seen him go high in redrafts. I've seen him go in the fourth mm-hmm. round in redrafts. And to me, right. that's a little that's a little bananas. Um, good player, really good long term outlook. This season, unless he is dynamic and ridiculous and just just blows the doors off of Henderson and Malcolm Brown and Camp, which is possible, I don't see a featured Todd Gurley role for him. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't-
4: I don't I don't think we're going to see that in a Sean McVay offense for a while. I mean, unless you get one of those, you know, I hate this term, but the quote unquote generational running backs. Yes. Um. You know, I, I, I hate it because I feel like we've had multiple generational running backs within the last five years, which, you know, seems to defeat the purpose. But um, yeah, unless one of those guys falls in, in the Rams lap sometime soon, I, I just don't think you're going to see anybody get that sort of workload i think i think the rams are going to go with uh, multiple backs uh and acres and, and, and henderson and brown are probably that you know the other thing i would like to, to go back and, and i'm sure somebody has done this or it's easy enough to go back and look what the uh sort of the the line graph of rookie running back adps are from the time you know they're drafted uh, cause it just seems like there's a big spike early, right. And they're oh, yeah, yes. And then, you know, then the stories come out, then we see them working in training camp and not that, you know, they're bad necessarily, but reality sort of sets in a little bit that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's another guy there, or maybe they're not coming along as fast as anticipated. And then that, that number sort of levels off a little bit. Uh, and I feel like we're seeing that with, you know, with Taylor, with Edward C. Lair uh, with cam makers that right now we're in that spike phase where like the ADPs are really high. And yes. then by the time we get to like August, it will sort of level off a little
1: bit. Yeah. And I'm seeing that a lot too. Um, Cause I've been doing a bunch of, I did a, a mock draft for uh sports illustrated. Uh, we did one for Sirius XM last week. And yeah, I mean mm-hmm. like Jonathan Taylor and, and the glide Swift is more like in a twelve-team league. I've seen him go like fifth round, which I feel like is kind of that, that's kind of where he 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 belongs. That's, that's realistic, yeah. But Taylor, I've seen go as high as the second round. Uh, I've taken uh, I've taken the Glide. I took him in the third round in a draft. But I've seen him go as high as the second round, mm-hmm. and some of the some of the rookie wide receivers too, like like Jalen Rager. I love the talent long term. I can't see a scenario unless everybody ahead of him gets hurt that he's going to go out and have 800 yards and seven or eight touchdowns as a rookie in Philadelphia. But I've seen him go as like the second or third wide receiver in a redraft. No, I know. It's insane. People really like people really like what he could potentially bring to the table, but I just don't get it because like the Eagles have hundred wide receivers right now and they're going to run a lot of 12 because they have two great tight ends. So whatever the case may be, I feel like long-term that a kid like that's going to be much better, but you're right. Right now, everyone's yoked. They love the rookies. There are certainly mm. rookies that I love. There are certainly rookies that you love. But I feel like once we get into July and August, depending on when we start drafting teams for real right. with the coronavirus, it'll calm down somewhat. Sure. Yeah,
4: yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see it. Uh, we'll see it level out a little bit. Yeah. Um, over to Pittsburgh. Longtime Steelers beat writer Ed Bouchette uh, writes that the Steelers are expected to quote cut back on James Conner's carries now. Look, Connor, when he's been healthy and has been on the field, has been very productive. The problem has been he just has not been able to stay healthy uh, throughout his career. Uh, You know, we we talked earlier in the week about the the rumor that the Steelers might not re-sign Juju Smith-Schuster. Now they're talking about cutting back on James Connors carries. Uh, And, Fabs, you've mentioned multiple times that this whole thing sort of hinges on Ben Roethlisberger staying healthy and being out there for the Steelers there's just a lot of things now that make me really nervous about drafting Pittsburgh players. And I feel like that, that should, if, if it hasn't already it should sort of suppress their ADPs a little bit.
1: Yeah, no question about that. And one of the, one of the surprising things for me is that, I mean, and maybe the Steelers do it, but like they, they don't have a quality backup quarterback. And right. you know, when your quarterback is in his late thirties, you know, coming off of a, a season ending injury to his elbow, no less. I mean, like that's, it's troublesome. I don't know why they haven't gone out and they didn't draft a quarterback or they didn't pick up a quarterback. Um, you know, we've said it a million times. We thought Jameis Winston would have been a really good fit for this offense. Uh, should Should Ben Roethlisberger go down with an injury? I mean, th- th- they're not a team that's going to go after Cam Newton. Cam Newton's not going anywhere where he can't compete for a starting job. So that's not going right. to happen. You know, I mean, do they bring in Joe Flacco? That ain't much better. You know, it's just like, uh, like, I don't even know who they would bring in at this point. So in terms of Connor, though, maybe cutting back on his touches and, and, and you know, Bouchette didn't say that it's a significant decrease, but mm-hmm. maybe cutting back is sort of what the Steelers <laughs> need to do to keep him on the field for 14 games or 16 games, because he is clearly the best back they have on the roster. And he has shown flashes of brilliance, especially when Le'Veon Bell held out. The kid was amazing. He helped people mm-hmm. with fantasy leagues that season. And they did draft Anthony McFarlane, but he's like, he's like my eyes. he's like five foot eight, you know, he's, he's, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's like over 200 pounds, but, um, you know, he, he's not going to be a featured back. So and, and you've also got, you know, Benny Snell there as well and, and Jalen Samuels. So it's a little bit crowded. But James Conner, I'd love to have him as a as a flex. That that's where I'd be comfortable getting him. I don't know if I can get him as a flex in a 12-team league. That's where I'd be comfortable getting him. I think most leagues, uh, Marcus, where where you're not in a 10-team league, he's probably gonna end up being like a low RB2.
4: Yeah. I mean, so that, I mean, th- saying that then, I mean, in a normal say 12 team league, you're not touching Samuels or Snell right now, right? They're, they're, they're still on the waiver wire.
1: Yeah. 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 No, no question about that. I, I don't know that. I mean, out of the three, you might get one that gets picked, you know, in the late mm-hmm. rounds, whether it's Samuel, if you're in a PPR league, you know, it could be Snell. I don't know that McFarland's going to get drafted in, in, in redrafts because there's so much confusion, but at this point, mm-hmm. James Conner is a safe, high-end flex starter if you can get him there and that's right. sort of the scenario with like a levy bell as well at this point after you know the jets signed frank Gore, which we talked about earlier in the week
4: yeah <laughs> um last uh last story i got here we can do real mirage on ron rivera i uh, was quoted as saying antonio gibson has quote a skill set like christian mccaffrey now uh i I, I have sort of pegged Antonio Gibson as a late, you know, a, a end of draft dart throw uh, that guy who maybe could work his way onto the field. He's sort of a, almost a hybrid, maybe a positionless guy. You know, I, I've seen him listed as a running back. I've seen him listed as a wide receiver. He can do a little bit of of everything. I think fabs in Washington, he probably will, will have more success as a receiver just because they've got a lot of running backs there that they've got to try to get touches for, but the, yep. the wide receiver position is a little more open. Mm-hmm. Um, this feels like definite hype here. I mean, saying he's got a skill set like Christian McCaffrey, that's one of those things that gets everybody, you know, your eyes get big, you get excited. I I want good things for him. I think he could be exciting. I'm not falling into this trap. Explain. I'm not going to fall into it. I mean, this
1: trap. It, w- saying that he has the skill set of Christian McCaffrey, what? He's he can catch the ball out of the backfield and he can run between the tackles like what? I mean, like what exactly about McCaffrey uh, is that it? I mean, I, I can I can argue that there's 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 plenty of running backs in the league that can catch the ball out of the backfield and run between the tackles um, as effectively a, a, as, as Christian McCaffrey, maybe not as a receiver, but pretty close. I talked to Darius Geis about this and we kind of agreed that he's probably going to end up being more of a receiver than he is a runner mm-hmm. in right. Washington. As you mentioned, they have 10 running backs or whatever it is. I mean, <laughs> one of them. So, and you know, th- this, again, you, ha- you have to like see through the coach speak and see through the excitement and then look at reality and the reality is that Antonio Gibson is not going to see enough touches to end up being in fantasy relevant. Right. I mean, like I, I don't know. I don't know if I don't, think so. I, I don't I mean, know if look. I'm if I'm crazy here because he just got compared to Christian McCaffrey. Maybe Rivera's a little crazy to do that. I get it. He's very talented. And the Redskins are going to use him as an offensive weapon, whether he's a running back or a wide receiver. I think they gave him a number in the 20s, so that would make him a running back, but right. it doesn't matter at this point. So is he worth a look in dynasty? Heck yeah. Is yeah. he worth a look in redrafts? Probably not. So the, the, the
4: continuation of that quote, I, I pull it up here. This is a very versatile young football player that we really think is going to be a guy that can get on the field for us early and contribute. Uh, I mean, look, it sounds exciting. It really does. Uh, it this you know, so this sounds like, this sounds like years ago. Um, When the Lakers were still playing at the forum and I remember Mm -hmm. Shaquille O'Neal had been injured for a long time. It was like finally making his return. And so I had a friend in town. We decided, hey, let's go see the Lakers. Shaq's back tonight. It's going to be great. Uh, Tickets were sold out, uh, but we get there and a guy is selling tickets out front and he's like, hey, man, you got to buy these like they're 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 second row right across from the Lakers bench. We're like, oh, yeah. I mean, like we were both young. Like I was like yeah, 22. Yeah. I was 22. My friend might have been 23, 24. So we're like, oh, sweet. So we pay for these tickets. Uh, and I'll say this. The dude didn't lie. They were second row right mm-hmm. across from Laker bench in the upper deck. Like he left uh- that part out. <laughs> he left that part out of his little spiel. And I sort of feel like this too. Like, okay, Antonio Gibson, like young, versatile football player that can get on the field and contribute maybe in third down situations when we're trailing in the fourth quarter. Like, I feel like there's a part of this that
1: Ron Rivera is sort of leaving out. And I, I yeah. that's why I'm not willing to get sucked in. all the that, way. that sounds like that episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where, uh, do you remember that one, Eddie? Do you watch Curb? I don't even remember if you watch Curb or not, but like, you remember that episode where him and Jeff were with the, with the NBC executive and they got them Lakers tickets and they're thinking, oh man, this is going to be great. And then they go and they're like literally in the upper deck of Staples center, <laughs> like looking down at all the celebrities who have great seats, but by, by the way, I had Jeff Garland on my serious XM show. I love dude. He is so much fun. He, uh, he's, he's creative with his language, <laughs> <laughs> but so much fun, man. Uh, I love Jeff. He's, he's awesome. He's awesome. So,
4: uh, yeah, it's a fun, fun dude.
1: Um, yeah, he is. Yeah. Between that. And, uh, what's his other show? the, is it the Goldbergs? the Goldbergs. The show the yeah, guy? dude. I mean, he's great. And Oh, Eddie, he also hinted that there's going to be another season of Curb.
3: Um, I mean, as good as the last one was, I'm I'm all for it. I mean, I think they're they're on a good path right now.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, sorry, I, guess, I got off. I got off the no, rails. No, well, I mean, I feel
4: like that. That's sort of like you know, because I was trying to figure out a, a, a way to end the show without just you know saying, "Hey, we're done talking about stories." Like, um, <laughs> I mean, since we've we've all been in quarantine for a while now, and I think we've all you know sort of exhausted the or most of the list of things we're watching is there have you guys found any like hidden hidden things on uh on netflix or,
1: or hulu or I, anything like that i anything watched weird? also so little fires everywhere is really good i've seen parts of it like you know really good get yeah, on it's in the background i'm story. doing stuff and so i've i feel like i've
4: pieced together the whole story
1: <laughs> um we watched a, a show on netflix called the stranger that was okay. pretty good there were times where it's a little bit slow but i end up being good it's, it's amazing. Like how many of these British shows like mm-hmm. that are on Netflix are really good. Like yeah. Broadchurch. I mean, like there's great. Our is really good. What's the other one. And now I can't remember. I can't remember the, the damn name of it, but it was, it was so good. I'll have to look it up, but mm-hmm. it was, it was like a police. It was a story about a police detective, um, man and a woman. The storyline was great. I, now it's going to drive me nuts. Now I have to <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta try and find it. Um, but it was it was really really good. One of the actors, the the male lead in it was the guy. I think he was in the Suicide Squad. He okay. was like the cop. Suicide.
3: Oh, Joel Kinnaman. This, this Joel Kinnaman. Yeah, Kinnis, yes. Yeah, it takes that place in Seattle. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's super Martin, dark. If so you
1: haven't watched that, yeah, watch I've that. Seen it's very that. It's really very good. depressing. Uh, no, it is. <laughs> So it's, so I think it's like three seasons, the first two are regular. And then the third season was kind of like a, a little bit shortened. The first season, okay. is the best season, it's awesome. The second yeah. season is pretty good. The third season is pretty good, but the first season it dude, watch it. It's really, really good. It's very dark. Okay. It is, but it's really good. All right. Uh, yeah. I will say that if you like, if you like terrible movies, just like
4: flat out terrible, like so bad that they're good movies. Uh, there's a thing on Netflix called China salesman. Oh, boy. Um, it, it basically the story is about these you know engineers from different countries trying to provide like cell phone service to like you know remote places in Africa. Like that part of the story is not exciting and it's sort of dull. But what makes it great is that Mike Tyson and Steven Seagal are in it and they fight each other. Um, and it's it's <laughs> what? got it's got when? Mike Tyson. It has Mike Tyson doing an African accent, which is as hilarious as you would think it would be. Uh, and Steven Seagal and like early on in the movie, like they encounter each other in some sort of like diner or restaurant or something like that, and they've got beef and, and they fight. Um, you know, so it's like Mike, oh, who's God. not a great actor, and Steven Seagal, who was very much out of shape. That's what uh, I was gonna say. Like, it's, an action scene it's, with one it's another.
1: Heavy and wigged Steven Steven Seagal's gotta have a wig. That 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 uh, hair ain't that right, that's not real, hit. right? It's, a, real. it's like it's like jet black. I mean, it's like it's, it's not real like no one
4: has hair that that is that dark but yeah china salesman like most of it is trash and 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 just like whatever but but at least for the mike tyson accent and the the terrible fight scene between him and steven seagal that's at least worth uh showing up for and it's on netflix so it's yeah essentially free (laughs) i've been watching so
3: much stuff that i feel like i have, my brain goes into critic mode and i'm like judging everything way too harshly because i'm not spacing anything out but um <laughs> i have watched dave on hulu uh which was awesome i think it was so funny um high fidelity like the remake uh they did a show version of the yeah, movie the
4: show i, I love the, I loved I loved the movie
3: i loved it i think zoe kravitz is great um you like the side characters. It is a, like another really good show. Um, I watched, I binged Outer Banks on Netflix. It's more of like a young adult drama, but it was super fun. It's kind of like the Goonies meets like Bloodline, if that makes sense. Um, oh,
4: see, someone, someone described it to me as uh, the OC meets Ozark
3: the oc yeah uh that that also worked yeah i i just said like blood it's a lot of family issues it takes place in uh, uh, obviously in outer banks north carolina and then you like there's a treasure hunt kind of murder thing going on but it, it's it's a fun like easy to watch show um like yeah we talked about westworld recently i mean westworld is okay like the last dance for me is a, Honestly, been the best thing I've I've watched.
4: That has been appointment television. Yeah, but
3: um, like there's just so much stuff that you watch and you kind of like uh, I don't know if the, like oh Hollywood just came out on Netflix and I was super How excited that? for that. It, I was it super like- excited for it because Ryan Murphy's awesome and everything he does. Like whether it's you know he did Nip Tuck years ago and Glee and he's done the American Horror Story stuff. Like he's he's the man. Uh, and I thought it was going to be more of just a broader picture of Hollywood at that time, like post World War II era. But it's very uh, it's like a micro view of like only a certain few characters and i guess they're basing it off of real events and stuff but it's okay it's just like again like my critic brain turns on and just like i get bored <laughs> and i want to find something else to watch and uh money heist actually the that show it's a foreign show that they dubbed I it. the
4: first episode
3: it's it's pretty wild um they definitely did not need to do a part three and four so right.
4: That was the thing. Like I so like when I pick a show to binge watch, i you know I go and look see how many seasons it is. And like I watched the first episode of Money Heist, and I'm like, how do they get four seasons out of it?
3: Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, the most bingeable shows I will Outer Banks and I think Dave or High Fidelity, probably on Hulu. Those those are like the the top, mm. like I gotta watch the next one like keep going over and over.
1: And if you We're, haven't watched the morning show, that's really good. Uh, that's on Apple. And okay. then uh, also on Apple is Amazing Stories. Marcus, you would like that for sure.
4: It's, it's, it's the it's the reboot of the like Amazing Stories from like yes, the movies, exactly. Right? yeah exactly.
1: And they're right. also it's not on Netflix. Um, the, I'm not sure where it is, but they're 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 doing new episodes of Creep Show. Remember Creep Show way back oh, in yeah. the day for yeah, those yeah. horror fans out there. Um, yeah. that's uh, that's another one I, I watched uh, an episode last night. So there's
3: Waco, I that. another one. Just came to I mind. Was that, is that good? Awesome. The acting is superb. Like it's okay. it's it's um it's a real thing. So it's it has uh, the.
4: It has Riggins, Tim, right? Tim Riggins, uh, yeah, Taylor Kitsch.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Kinsch plays uh, Dave Koresh. And yeah. uh, Michael Shannon, who is like a phenomenal actor, he plays mm-hmm. um, one of the FBI, um, I guess, the not really informant. He's like the one that has to speak with him on the phone. And he, Michael Shannon is such a great actor. John Leguizamo goes Amazon, and he's awesome. Like, there's oh, wow. a lot of really good actors in it, and it's uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible to see how it unfolds, even though you kind of know what happens to see it unfold the way they, they portrayed it. I mean, that's like the Netflix bump. I'm pretty sure it was on Paramount, and no one really was talking about it you (laughs) you put it on netflix it's like a top 10 show in the in in the country so yeah the bright side of us being quarantined there's there's a lot of quality stuff out there
4: a lot of tv out there yeah yeah i uh all right cool that was basically this was just a cheap way for me to get list of uh things (laughs) in the very near future so excellent hey uh so that's it we are done we appreciate you listening and downloading and watching as well you know the drill tell two friends to tell two friends rate review and remember if you think you're too small to make a difference. Try sleeping with a mosquito. Take care of yourselves and we'll see you on Tuesday.
2: Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fairs. Discover more at Viking.com. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. And some waves,
3: so we could go surfing.
2: I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
0: ski slopes. Let's
2: do it. Um, tenor a girl go shopping. Yeah, baby.
0: Wait. Did we just invent California?
2: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new?